Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Oh yeah, happy Friday everybody. You are listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, you came through with some uh, Twitter questions, a few of them. It's not too late, though. You uh, have some questions uh, as you're heading into the weekend and you're trying to figure out who to add, who to drop, who may be the start next week, two-star pitchers, anything. Anything related to your fantasy team, uh, I will answer those questions a little bit later on in the show. Uh, I will, as always, take a look back at some of the Bigger, more notable performances from the previous day and night. Uh, we had some pitching performances that are, are definitely worth digging into. Uh, Patrick Corbin, another good start, but some alarming decrease in his uh, velocity. To look into that a little bit. Julio Tehran with a, uh, a great start in a, in a start that had been pushed back a couple of days. Uh, nearly no hit the Mets. David Price. Yet another bad start for him. He's uh, stringing those together, unfortunately. Uh, we'll take a closer look at that one. Uh, Jan Harvest Solarte with a big day. Josh Donaldson with a big return in that uh, doubleheader with the Indians. So uh, look at that, uh, what those performances were and what they mean. And uh, get started with the news for today. And we've been waiting on this one for maybe about a week or so. But uh, Jose Bautista... He is coming back up to the big leagues. Braves uh, signed him, uh, I think it was about a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago. And uh, as initially reported by MLB.com, the Braves are going to call him up today. And if you're wondering if he is in the Braves lineup, that lineup is out. And yes, Jose Bautista is going to be starting for the Braves tonight at SunTrust Park, 735 start against Chris Stratton and the San Francisco Giants. And he's going to bat fifth. Batting fifth and playing third base, Jose Bautista, right in the smack middle of the Braves lineup. So uh, there you go. And if you were thinking that that would mean uh, no Ryan Flaherty, that's obviously correct, although Flaherty can play a few other positions. And if you're thinking that means no Johan Camargo, you would be wrong. Because Camargo is batting seventh and playing shortstop, filling in for Dansby Swanson, who is going to get another uh, day of rest due to a sore wrist. So we've got uh, quite a few lineups out already. I imagine probably in the coming minutes or so, maybe a few more will trickle in. So I will check on those later on in this segment. Uh, also, another uh, impending call-up, Chris Medlin, former Brave. Uh, going to uh, make the start for the Arizona Diamondbacks tonight. And uh, they'll be facing the Astros at home. Medlin against Garrett Cole. Uh, 
that's a rough way to uh, to make a comeback start. Um, but uh, good to see Chris Medlin back on a major league mound. He's at least for the time being going to fill in the vacated uh, rotation slot uh, left by Robbie Ray, who of course is on the disabled list. So uh, see how uh, Medlin does in his first start in a very, very long time. Uh, the uh, Tigers may be uh, making a transaction uh, or two, uh, putting Miguel Cabrera on the disabled list. Hasn't been done yet, but according to the Detroit Free Press, it's likely, it's a strong possibility, uh, Cabrera sustained right hamstring strain. And if they make that move, the corresponding move would be to bring up catcher Grayson Griner. And the reason they're bringing up a catcher is so that backup catcher John Hicks can fill in for Cabrera at first base. So, of course, this is all, at this point, I wouldn't say speculation because it sounds like there's a good chance it's going to happen, but it's it's not a reality as of yet. But um, it is sort of a an interesting move uh, in a deep league sense. I mean, well, obviously, in all sorts of formats, Cabrera going on the DL will have an impact. But in terms of John Hicks getting some playing time, that's something I, I've kind of wanted to see for a couple of years because he does have a bit of power. So uh, catcher eligible, but will be playing first base. So that that becomes uh, a, a meaningful move. Uh, like I said, at least in some deeper leagues, maybe even something that would uh, filter over to any sort of two-catcher league. But we'll see you know, wh- how much playing time he actually gets. We'll see if this actually all transpires. But uh, John Hicks is certainly somebody to keep an eye on uh, last year. He made 190 plate appearances and uh, hit six home runs, batted 266. So, you know, not a bad line, a dozen doubles, which uh, in hundred, uh, 190 plate appearances. That's, that's a pretty good show of power there. So far this year, he's made only 40 plate appearances hitting 250, but, uh, has a couple of homers and three doubles. So the, the power for John Hicks is, is pretty legit. We'll see if he, in fact, gets that playing time. Uh, Zach Davies has been placed on the 10-day DL by the Brewers. Uh, it's been made retroactive to April 30th, and he is dealing with rotator cuff inflammation in his right shoulder. He is expected to miss just one start. Uh, now, of course, expected and what actually happens, those are two different things. I'm maybe hedging my bets a little little bit more today than normally after getting called out by uh, Nando DeFino on yesterday's shows as being naive. So <laughs> I don't want to make that mistake. Uh, but uh, Davies on the DL, going to miss at least one start. So uh, need to react accordingly to that. And as far as a replacement, I've not seen anything definitive yet. I have seen Brandon Woodruff mentioned as a possible uh, short-term replacement for Davies. Uh, he was recently sent down, but uh, again, because it would be a corresponding move to a DL uh, DL move, uh, Woodruff could uh, theoretically be called up to replace Davies, but we'll see what happens there. No move yet in terms of Ian Happ. Uh, according to the Chicago Sun-Times, uh, Joe Madden says that he is not looking to send Happ down, uh, back down to the minors, even though it's been Really, really rough stretch so far for Ian Happ. Uh, had the big uh, power splurge very early, I think first or second day of the season. And it's been pretty ugly since then. Happ striking out in 
almost half of his plate appearances. He's got a total of 36 strikeouts already in 78 plate appearances. Uh, still batting 233. If you think about it, I mean, you might say, well, you know, 233, that's, that's pretty awful. But when you consider that he's striking out nearly half the time, it's, it's really remarkable that he's not batting under 200. And doubly remarkable when you consider the fact that Hap has been not only striking out a lot, but hitting a ton of fly balls, has a 49% fly ball rate. That's something that doesn't typically bode very well for getting hits on balls in play. And yet Hap right now has a 412 BABIP, uh, far, far above normal, much less above normal for a fly ball hitter. So things could be worse for Ian Hap. Uh, could be down the minors, could be batting under 200. Neither of those things are true. But I would expect that he uh, probably not going to play a whole lot and probably not leading off a, a whole lot uh, going forward until until he heats up. And uh, across town, Wellington Castillo scratched uh, Thursday's game with lower abdominal pain. And uh, checking in on the White Sox, they do have their lineup out. And Castillo is not in it. Omar Narvaez behind the plate and batting ninth. So no Wellington Castillo tonight. Uh, on the south side, uh, White Sox hosting the Twins. It's going to be Carson Fulmer and Jose Barrios. Uh, I think a very critical start for Barrios going into week seven. Uh, not He's not had his usual pinpoint control the last couple of starts. And granted, Barrios can rely on a lot of different skills to succeed. But uh, it, the last couple starts have not been, been very good for him. And uh, we'll certainly look and see if he can turn it around uh, against the White Sox. And again, that's going to be a White Sox lineup that's going to miss uh, Wellington Castillo. Yohan Moncada's in the lineup, though. Uh, he's back and he is hitting leadoff and, of course, playing second base. So uh, good news there for the White Sox. Not a great development for Jose Brios. Hopefully he'll be okay anyway. And uh, last night, Albert Pujols got career hit number 2,999. So he continues his pursuit of uh, hit number 3,000. Uh, he will try to get that tonight in Seattle. Uh, it's going to be the Angels and Mariners at Safeco Field. Garrett Richards taking the mound for the Angels. Mike Leak for the Mariners. That is the last first pitch. Uh, of the uh, schedule for uh, Friday, a 10-10 uh, start Eastern, 7-10 start uh, in Seattle there, Pacific time. Uh, so speaking of lineups, uh, like I said, there are several out. I think a few more have uh, trickled in. So could be taking a look at some of these for the for the first time, uh, we'll, but we'll try not to miss anything important. Uh, Scott Kingery's back for the Phillies. He is uh, batting seventh playing short uh, and otherwise looks pretty typical, uh, typical lineup there for the Phillies. Uh, it's going to be Nick Pavetta and Gio Gonzalez at Nationals Park. Bryce Harper in the leadoff spot yet again, and why not? <laughs> it's been hitting well there uh, the couple of games that Davey Martinez has put him in the leadoff spot. And uh, Matt Adams also back in left field and back in the three spot. In the Nationals lineup, he's been hitting well and playing every day for uh, close to a week now. Ryan Zimmerman in their first base. 
And uh, yeah, nothing else really unusual with the Nationals lineup. We've got Rockies and Mets. That's going to be a 7-10 start at City Field. Herman Marquez and Zach Wheeler. Brandon Nimmo leading off and playing right field. Uh, and you got uh, Jay Bruce at first base. So that uh, that's what's making room for Brandon Nimmo. So Jay Bruce at first base. Uh, Conforto in center. Cespedes in left field. Jose Lobaton behind the plate. Zach Wheeler batting eighth. Ahmed Rosario batting ninth. Uh, Marlins and Reds. And by the way, no Rockies lineup. Not sure if I said that already. Uh, not yet, but I'm, I'm sure we'll see that very soon. Marlins and Reds. Uh, Wei-Yan Chen and Sal Romano. And that's at Great America Ballpark. Uh, so uh, Alex Blandino getting the nod at second base. I've got a little statistical tidbit about Alex Blandino that I'm going to save for later in the show. I know that's going to really keep you keep you tuned in, wait for that Alex Blandino stat, but uh, it is kind of an interesting one. Uh, and, uh, yeah, pretty much the normal lineup. Of course, you also have the, the outfield rotation with Cincinnati. Jesse Winker out. Jose Peraza leading off. And then uh, you're out. He's, of course, not playing outfield, just uh, hitting leadoff instead of Jesse Winker. And uh, so your outfield is uh, left to right, Duval Hamilton, Shebler. For the Marlins, Martin Prado's been in there at third base. He'll continue to be there, pushing Brian Anderson to right field. They're batting uh, fifth and sixth, Anderson, then Prado. Uh, Lewis Brinson getting a start in center field, batting eighth. Uh, that is your... Uh, your Marlins lineup and uh, Rays versus Blue Jays. That's a 7-10 start at the Trop. Uh, no lineup for the Blue Jays as of yet. And as far as the Rays go, facing uh, Jay Happ, the lefty, they're going to, by the way, uh, go forth with uh, Andrew Kittredge on what I'm assuming is their their bullpen game. Uh, so against Jay Happ, the lefty, uh, you got Matt Duffy batting third, playing third. Uh, Daniel Robertson, who's hit well for the uh, last couple of weeks, uh, batting fifth, playing second base. Uh, Rod Ref, Rob Ref Snyder, DHing and hitting eighth. Johnny Field uh, in center field, hitting ninth. And again, that's against uh, the lefty, Jay Happ. Uh, going a little bit later, I mentioned the Braves lineup is out. It's going to be Chris Stratton and Mike Fulton in that one. Uh, against the Giants, as I mentioned before, but just in case you're just tuning in, Jose Bautista's in the starting lineup. He's batting fifth. Tyler Flowers giving Kurt Suzuki a breather. I think this is just the third start for Flowers since he came off the DL, which I think was last Friday. Uh, so he's been uh, out there for a week and I believe just getting his third start now, batting sixth right behind Jose Bautista. And as I also mentioned before, uh, Dansby Swanson's still out with a sore wrist. Johan Camargo batting seventh and replacing uh, Swanson at shortstop. And Anderson and Ciarte still batting ninth behind Mike fulton um, Let's see. No lineup yet for Red Sox Rangers. Rick, Por Rick Porcello and Bartolo Colon should be a fun one there in Arlington, but no lineups yet. And then finally, the only other lineup uh, I, that I see uh, at this point is uh, for the White Sox, which I mentioned before, White Sox and Twins. And once again, that's Jose Barrios and Carson Fulmer. And again, just to remind you, Yohan Moncada back in the White Sox lineup, leading off. And uh, no Beef Wellington, Omar Narvaez uh, batting ninth and catching. 
So that should uh, get us all caught up for the time being uh, with lineups. There was one 7 o'clock game I didn't mention. Uh, that's Indians-Yankees, Josh Tomlin, and CeCe Sabathia. But no lineups uh, for that one either. Uh, going back to uh, the weather forecast to see which of these games you may have to pay extra special attention to who's in the lineup and whether or not to keep them in your lineup. Uh, nothing too serious here. We've got uh, about a 33% chance of rain in D.C. for that Phillies-Nationals game uh, around 8 o'clock, an hour after first pitch. So uh, that does not look too bad. Similar situation at City Field for Mets-Rockies. Uh, some early evening rain in Cincinnati for the Reds hosting the Marlins. Uh, so maybe just keep an eye on those. But none of those look like strong chances for uh, a serious delay, much less a cancellation. So uh, go ahead and set those lineups if you have not done so already. Uh, well, uh, as I mentioned before, we have a number of standout performances, both hitting and pitching to get to. Some interesting bullpen developments. All of that is coming your way. Uh, first, we got to take a little bit of a break. But don't go anywhere because all of that and your Twitter questions and much, much more coming up. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back. You are listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. So as mentioned right before the break, I've got bullpen updates. I've got stand-up performances from both hitters and pitchers. Uh, I've got your Twitter questions uh, still uh, on deck here. Uh, lots to come. Uh, we'll get to uh, all of it. Uh, but first, uh, just a quick note here about Daily Roto. I'm sure you've heard about the DailyRoto.com dollar month here on the network. But I want to put it in some context for you. So let's say you buy a lottery ticket. You pay your dollar. You pick a bunch of numbers. That's it. And then you clutch the ticket and you hope. But now let's say that you try uh, DailyRoto.com dollar month. You pay your dollar. You get access for 30 days. And you're transported into a world that's produced five millionaires. Take destiny into your own hands. Go to DailyRoto.com and enter the code one dollar that is all one word and spelled out o n e dollar one word that's dailyroto.com and enter that code again all one word one dollar okie doke uh so interesting night in bullpens 
And, uh, you know, for a while, every night it seemed like it was the Cardinals. Is it Howland? Is it uh, Bud Norris? And that that situation's gotten resolved. Uh, The Brewers situation, I mean, we've got Corey Knievel coming back possibly as soon as about a week from now. Uh, So, you know, those uh, storylines have kind of resolved themselves. But we've got something brewing in Houston now. And in a way, I'm surprised that this wasn't a bigger deal sort of from the get-go because we ended last season, the postseason, with Ken Giles, uh, you know, looking like he wasn't being trusted by A.J. Hinch in, you know, the most important series of the season. And um, it's been a rough go for him on, uh, I believe it was Tuesday night. He gave up that three-run homer to uh, to Gary Sanchez. Uh, took the loss, you know, came into a game where Justin Verlander just, you know, blew the doors off and uh, scoreless tie, and, and Giles came in and, and gave up the homer. And then the the Astros had a uh, another save opportunity on Thursday with the Yankees, and Ken Giles wasn't summoned. And I do want to put this in in its proper perspective because Giles, for for some time, we've known that he's not the sole closer. Uh, for the Astros. We've seen uh, Brad Peacock get some saves. We've seen uh, Chris Devensky in that closer's role. But Giles has you know, clearly been the, the lead person. And the the quote that we got from Hinch, I'd say about a week and a half or so ago, was along the lines of uh, Giles is not going to get all the save opportunities. So it sort of insinuated that Giles was the primary closer, but he was eventually going to get a break. But when you combine the fact that Giles took that loss uh, against the Yankees in that game with the Sanchez homer, that he left absolutely furious. I'm talking about Giles now. Left furious, and uh, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, search for it because uh, it's something to see. Uh, he actually literally punched himself in the face because he was so upset and then you know threw a bunch of stuff around to the dugout. And I saw a story either last night or this morning about how Hinch, because he was, uh, I think it was headed to the mound at that point, or he was somewhere where he couldn't see Giles. And then I guess it was the next day he saw the video of it and, and it sounded like he was uh, somewhat distressed with his closer uh, or primary closer, however you want to put it. So putting it with that kind of background uh, that Giles didn't, get into uh, the save situation last night for the Astros. To me, it makes it a, a little bit more, a little bit more intriguing. And the, the, the reliever that Hinch initially brought in was Will Harris, who was the same one who went to, to try to stop the bleeding uh, when, uh, uh, when Giles uh, was pitching against the Yankees the other night. And it did not go very well. For, uh, for Will Harris. So he uh, loaded up the bases. Brad Peacock had to be brought in, see if he could get the save. And uh, then Glaber Torres uh, hit uh, what, what turned out to be the, the game winner uh, against, uh, it's a single, but uh, it turned out to be, uh, or I'm sorry, not the game winner, the game tying single. And uh, then the, a couple batters later, uh, the Yankees put across the, the winning run. So kind of a messy situation there for the Astros, where Giles seems to be maybe in the doghouse. Uh, Will Harris couldn't get it done. Brad Peacock couldn't get it done. Chris Devensky, on the other hand, pitched a perfect, beautiful eighth inning in that game. And I saw a report 
I think it was in the, the Houston Chronicle. I can uh, check on that uh, just to make sure I'm giving credit where credit is due. And uh, essentially what Hinch said was that uh, he could uh, – sorry, that uh, if he could do it over again, that he he would let Davinsky come out for another inning because he only threw 12, 12 pitches in uh, in that inning, in the eighth inning. So, you know, maybe can't read too much in just one situation. I imagine it's still going to be a save-sharing situation for the Astros. Uh, but first of all, Davetsky's been, I think, probably the best reliever in that bullpen. And A.J. Hinch gave him something of a, a vote of confidence in those post-game comments. And you've had Peacock. I mean, he's been generally pretty good, but probably not as good as he was last season. And again, we're, we're just a little more than a month in, so we don't want to overblow uh, the importance of the year-to-date year to date stats. But uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a messy situation. It's one where Davinsky looks the most deserving uh, of, of getting maybe the next save chance. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I mean, Davinsky, you know, even as a setup guy, has been picked up, uh, you know, is owned in a lot of leagues. But it's worth looking there because it it seems to me if there's anybody right now who would be deserving of the first shot at saves, it would be him. But there's been no announcement in terms of a change in plans. It could very well just be the same situation with Davinsky and, and uh, Peacock and Giles splitting saves with Giles maybe even still being the, the lead closer. Um so that, that's uh, pretty much the, the main thing last night. The other thing that I thought was sort of interesting was Ross Stripling setting up for Kenley Jansen, who, by the way, had it for the first time this year in 13, uh, or I should say 12 tries, because one of Jansen's appearances was not a full inning. But the other 12, I think, were all full inning appearances. And it's the first time Jansen pitched a 1-2-3 uh, inning. So Kenley Jansen got his save, but... Even though uh, he apparently was available, Josh Fields was not brought in to pitch the eighth inning. Fields has not looked very good in his recent appearances. So Ross Stripling maybe somebody to look at. Um, I don't know that I'm that interested in a handcuff for, for Kenley Jansen, but if that's something that worries you, maybe Stripling's the guy, or maybe just you know for, for holds leagues, uh, Stripling would definitely be uh, an intriguing name. Uh, let's get to some starting pitching performances. Patrick Corbin, as I mentioned earlier on the show, another very good start, but very, very concerning uh, decline in velocity, sitting right around 89 miles an hour on his fastball. Uh, now, according to Zach Buchanan of the Athletic Arizona, neither Corbin nor his manager, Tori Lavolo, uh, expressed any worry about Corbin being under 90 miles an hour on his fastball, typically. In the start, when he's usually around 92. But uh, we'll see how it goes for Corbin in his next start. Something that worries me just a little bit is that um, while Corbin was throwing the fastball about three miles an hour uh, uh, easier uh, with less velocity, the decrease was not quite as much with his slider. So he had a little bit less separation in terms of velocity between the fastball and the slider. And whereas uh, on the season, Corbin has a 29% whiff rate on his slider. Uh, he got only six swinging strikes uh, in Thursday's game against the Dodgers uh, out of 38 total sliders that he threw. So little less than one out of six 
um, far cry from his usual rate of, of 29%. Again, at this point, just a, a worry, a thing to monitor. And if you're looking for some encouragement that Corbin could bounce back in terms of velocity, there's not really much to bounce back from in terms of results because he only gave up one run in six innings. Uh, got five strikeouts, only give up three hits. So a, a, a nice outing overall for Patrick Corbin. But look at what Julio Tehran did against the Mets. Going seven innings, holding them hitless for six and two-thirds, the first six and two-thirds of those seven innings. Uh, still allowing just two hits total. Scoreless, uh, six strikeouts, two walks for Tehran. Now, the reason why I'm saying take encouragement from Tehran if you're a Patrick Corbin owner is because Tehran had to leave his previous start. And remember, this start for Tehran was pushed back a couple of days. So that's why we saw uh, Mike Soraka up uh, the other day, uh, in part to push Tehran back in the rotation. So Tehran left uh, his previous start with some shoulder tightness. And it was not a good start for Tehran. And his velocity was down about three and a half miles an hour. So even a little bit more than Corbin's was down. And in Thursday, he started against the Mets. Tehran right back where he was velocity-wise before his last start. So fully recovered his velocity, which is one bad start. Bad start in terms of results. Bad start in terms of velocity. So that's why, again, if you're Patrick Corbin, owner, don't assume it's time to sell him. Don't assume uh, you have to freak out and not start him for his next start. Um, none, none of that may, may need to pass. Uh, if you look at the example of Julio Tehran. And also what's what's kind of interesting for him is that the three starts that he made before the previous one where the velocity dropped off, he those three starts, he uh, pitched a total of 19 innings, got 22 strikeouts, only gave up three runs. So you take out that one blip on the radar for Tehran, and he's looking really good lately. The velocity's there. He's been really good lately. So Tehran is looking like just about like he is back to being a must-start pitcher after having some struggles last year and also in his first couple of starts this season. David Price is in that kind of funk now that we, we've seen Julio Tehran be in in the past. Uh, that continued against the Rangers on Thursday night, only made it three and two-thirds innings, gave up nine runs, seven of which were earned. That's a big yuck. Uh, gave up six hits and two walks and four strikeouts in those three and two-thirds innings for David Price. And so over his last three starts combined, uh, Price has gone a total of 17 innings, and he's given up 19 runs, only three of which were unearned. So again, 16 earned runs in his last 17 innings. It's been that bad for David Price. Now, in terms of the common link among those those three starts, hitters have been taking hacks a lot more often uh, against Price. And what makes it worse is that the contact rate uh, when uh, batters have been swinging against David Price in those three starts have been pretty high. So you know the hitters are you know they're they're seeing beach balls apparently <laughs> when price is pitching now because uh, again they're taking hacks they're making a lot of contact in each of those last three starts the swing rate on pitches when price is locating in strike zone 74 percent that's eight percent above the major league norm 
And the contact rate on those pitches in the zone, 88%. That's three percentage points above the major league average. So those are a pair of trends that are really, really bad. Um, and you can pretty much isolate that it's the, it's the sinker where uh, hitters are, are seeing beach balls. That uh, the the swing rate on the last three starts for the last three starts way up for David Price on his sinker, and maybe not so coincidentally. And I tweeted this out by the way. So if you want to see a visual representation of what I'm about to describe to you, uh, over the last three starts, as that swing rate has has gone up pretty dramatically on the sinker, his release point has been closer to the plate. His uh, his horizontal re- release point. Seems like more than just a coincidence to me. But uh, regardless of whether it is or it isn't, uh, the, the trend for price is not good. Uh, but again, you know, you look at Tehran with the one bad start you, you, uh, and two bad starts earlier, and he's rebounded both times. Uh, and David Price, as far as I'm concerned, uh, somebody that coming into the season, I viewed as a, as a higher quality pitcher than Julio Tehran. So even though it's been three bad starts in a row, with a pair of bad warning signs to go along with them. Nothing that looks fluky here in terms of price getting hit around. Um, I would just wait it out with him. I wouldn't start him right now. Absolutely wouldn't start him. But if there's any way to stash David Price, you you have to do it. And you can't you can't trade him right now uh, because his value is, I'm not sure it could get too much lower than what it probably is right now. Uh, one more rotation note uh, based on uh, Thursday's games. Wade LeBlanc made his season debut as a starter. He's uh, been in the, the bullpen for the Mariners, but made his first start. So because he's still getting stretched out, only made it four innings, but didn't give up a run to the Oakland A's. Uh, three hits, one walk, just three strikeouts. And uh, maybe not the zero runs part of the line, but the rest of it, uh, particularly the strikeout-to-walk ratio, that's uh, that's kind of LeBlanc's thing. Uh, probably not going to walk a lot of guys, but um, wouldn't expect him to be much of a of a strikeout pitcher. But he is, uh, for the time being, going to uh, continue in that that slot in the rotation that uh, belonged to uh, Erasmo Ramirez. I uh, personally thought it was going to be Rob Whalen, who had a great spring and has looked really good in uh, in the minors. But at least for the time being, it's going to be Wade LeBlanc filling out that uh, Mariners rotation and, and a very good start to it. And somebody uh, who just may be able to help you out with with whip, but I wouldn't look for for much else, much other help from uh, Wade LeBlanc uh, in in the fut- his future starts. Uh, maybe some wins uh, if he gets the, the the innings up there, which I'm sure he will in the next start or two, uh, and and maybe uh, maybe some good whip from from Wade LeBlanc. So uh, there were a number of notable hitting performances, and, and they didn't all happen in the Indians Blue Jays doubleheader, even though it seemed like it did. Uh, but we certainly the, the biggest ones we had were there. You had Harvest Solarte, incredible day between the two games. Eight hits, went eight for ten, a couple of homers and a couple of doubles. So Solarte now up to nine homers on the season, six doubles. He had seven RBI across those two games and, and scored four runs. And my my biggest concern really for Solarte coming into the season was the playing time, but uh, particularly with Devin Travis uh, getting sent down, uh, you're uh, you know you're seeing that even with uh, Josh Donaldson back. So uh, talk a little bit more about uh, Solarte and some of the other players in that game. 
Some other great hitting performances from Thursday, your Twitter questions, and more, all coming up right after this break. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And I've got uh, another note for you. Talked a little bit about DailyRoto.com in the last segment. Uh, got another message about them, as well as DKMS. Uh, if you want a chance to win two tickets to a 2018 World Series game, go to DailyRoto.com slash DKMS and take a crack at playing free Daily Fantasy Baseball. You can play every day. It's totally free, and the contests are sponsored by DKMS, who are looking for your help in the fight against blood cancer. Every three minutes, an American's diagnosed with blood cancer, and only 30% of all blood donor patients are able to find a compatible bone marrow donor in their family. So go to dailyroto.com slash DKMS and find out how you can help to eradicate blood cancer and play free daily fantasy baseball with the shot at winning two tickets to a 2018 World Series game. All right. Uh, well, uh, we talked about the hitcher, the pitchers, uh, both the relievers and the starters in the last segment. I uh, don't want the pitchers to, to hog up all the attention on the show here. So uh, certainly more than a few hitters uh, that are worth our attention. As I mentioned, Jan Harvest Solarte going eight for 10 in the double header uh, in Cleveland yesterday with a couple of homers, a couple of doubles. And there's the one thing I wanted to underscore about Solarte, because I haven't really brought it up since maybe like the first week of the season. I don't think I have. Is that when uh, Solarte was a Padre, he had pretty good road power splits. So uh, he was he was punished uh, to a degree by Petco Park. And uh, moving to Toronto, and, and as I started to say, but really kind of ran out of time before the break that my, my bigger concern for Solarte going the, to the Blue Jays was how much was he going to play? But of course, you know, Troy Tulowitzki has been out the whole season. You had uh, Devin Travis struggling badly, getting sent down. You had Josh Donaldson out for, for a, a time. Uh, so Solarte got plenty of playing time there, even with Lourdes Gurriel Jr. getting called up. And now that Donaldson's back, Solarte's hitting so well that uh, I just don't see him being removed from the lineup. And uh, I think the, the the big playing time loser there, and I think I talked about this with Nando on yesterday's show, would appear to be a Ledman's DS. And it would make sense. I mean, if you were John Gibbons, who would you sit, right, based on what they've done so far this year? So Solarte really making uh, the most. Now, Grant, this was not at Rogers Center. This was in Cleveland, but still a better hitting environment than, than Petco. Uh, or I should say Petco Park, because I've never watched a ball game inside of Petco, for whatever that's worth. Uh, Josh Donaldson, by the way, Coming back off of the DL 
and uh, making a statement, uh, four hits over the two games, four for 11 and with his fourth and fifth home runs, his second and third doubles of the year. Uh, so looks like Josh Donaldson is uh, good to go there. Uh, Francisco Lindor's really heated up. And even though uh, I keep saying over and over, we're more than a month into the season and sample sizes matter a little bit more and blah, blah, blah. Uh Francisco Lindor has demonstrated to us that a hot or a cold streak can change a person's stats very, very quickly. He has had five straight multi-hit games, and really that's pretty much corrected his batting average right there in less than a week. Uh, Lindor in the double header went five for 12 with his sixth and seventh home runs and his eighth double against the Blue Jays. And Andrelton Simmons, not a huge game. Uh, but a couple of doubles, so he's up to eight of those on the season, but also raising his batting average up to 327. And I think this probably caught my eye as much as anything, just because it seems like I've gotten a few questions about Simmons lately. And, uh, you know, so it does raise the question of how legit is the performance so far. And I think that there's, I certainly feel a pull to validate it because of him taking big strides last year. Well, Last year on fly balls and line drives, his average exit velocity was 90.9 miles an hour, which is okay. I mean, it's not something that's that should make you go crazy and say, you know, wow, this this guy's really emerged as a power hitter. It's it's okay, and it's it, it was an upgrade over where he had been. Well, so far this season, again, let me repeat: last year, 90.9 miles an hour. So far this season, 93.1. So that there's some legitimate power so far from Andrelton Simmons. That's the good news. The bad news in terms of batting average, he has a 26% line drive rate that doesn't sync up with what he's done over the longer term. And especially when it comes to line drive rate, that's very important to me. And he's pulling the ball like crazy. 51% pull rate, which, again, great for power, not so great for batting average. So I'm not. I don't think there's necessarily a sell high opportunity here. I think you're just maybe there could be more power to come from Andrelton Simmons, but I'm not so sure that even though he's doesn't strike out much historically, he's not struck out much this year, especially barely striking out. And yet I still don't know that with all the pulling that he's doing, if that's gonna uh, if he's gonna be able to keep his batting average up around 300. Alex Gordon is somebody I have not talked about in a long time, other than. I might have mentioned the other uh, on the uh, I think it was Wednesday Wednesday show. I talked about Craig Kimbrell blowing the save. That it was Alex Gordon that cost Kimbrell uh, his first gig. Kimbrell his first blown save of the year with a solo homer. Well, Gordon homered again on Thursday against the Tigers and got three hits total. Alex Gordon now has three games in a row with multiple hits. He has at least one hit in 10 out of his last 12 games. And over that 12-game span, Gordon is batting 370, and he has struck out only seven times in 50 plate appearances. So just maybe Alex Gordon is starting to become relevant again. Not in 12-team leagues, but maybe 15, 16-team leagues. Uh, Alex Gordon, because yeah, he's really been barely relevant in any kind of format, certainly mixed league. Uh, but making contact at a much higher rate so far this year, and especially lately. Uh, and I mentioned Alex Blandino. Uh, had a little tidbit on him. The top two hitters in terms of the lowest 
Swing rate on pitches outside the strike zone. This is a very good stat to be on the leaderboard for. Uh, number one and number two are Alex's, Blandino yep. and Gordon. So Alex Blandino, for, for hitters that have uh, been to bat 50 times or more, Alex Blandino is swinging at, at bad pitches less than anybody. And if you take him out of the equation, then it's Alex Gordon who's swinging less than anybody. Uh, both players, by the way, are getting a lot of pitches in the strike zone uh, for whatever that's worth. Uh, but yeah, Gordon not striking out a lot, showing a little bit more power this year, and especially lately. And Logan Morrison heating up too. Uh, he was three for four against the White Sox yesterday with his third homer and third double of the year. So after just a horrendous start, that probably seemed like it was never, ever going to end for uh, fancy owners that were rostering Logan Morrison. Uh, over the last seven games, he's gone nine for 25 with a couple homers, a couple doubles, and only three strikeouts. All great signs for Logan Morrison. And again, he was a late signee, so... Given that he's heating up now, it certainly seems to look like he was having his spring training during the regular season. All right, I've got a few Twitter questions from uh, folks who have sent them in. So uh, let's get right to it. A couple, actually, from at Jay Legeza. Uh, what the bleep do I do with... Uh, actually, it's probably something I can say, but more fun for me to say. What the bleep do I do with Ryan McMahon? Had to jettison him uh, because I'm currently dealing with the atrocities as Ian Desmond, uh, you and the Colorado Rockies, both. Uh, Do I see him as the Rockies' next in line uh, type of handcuff? uh, Or has man crush trumped reality? Uh, I can relate to this because I definitely uh, was crushing pretty hard on on Ryan McMahon in drafts. I love the... uh, Love the value. I really thought that this was going to be a case of the skills were going to get him playing time, and of course now he's back. Uh, you know, almost after a, a cringeworthy, lengthy stay before getting sent down. Uh, you know, back in, in AAA now. But uh, I I would like to know more about what the format is because certainly if this is a twelve team league, you can you can drop Brian McMahon. Uh, but I would say in a fifteen team league, you you absolutely have to hold on to him because. Uh, the the power is still very much there for him. The the potential to hit for average, Coors Field uh, will still be his home park. I'm assuming, and you know, there, whether it's Ian Desmond's continued slumping or uh, an injury, it just seems like there's there's all kinds of possibilities for McMahon to make an import, an impact uh, later on. And the second question here, deep fan tracks Roto League, what's my take on Araldis Vizcaino? I'm sorry. Eraldus. Erodus. My apologies. Erodus Vizcaino. Uh, the numbers are blah. Can't argue with that. Save chances few and far between. Can't argue with that either. What point uh, should his limited saves be sacrificed for better ra- ratios uh, with somebody like Archie Bradley or Kyle Bearclaw? So, ra- oh, and he wants me to rank the three. A lot of stuff to do here. Uh, I would, this is good. Yeah. Um, and again, the scarcer saves are in the league, the more I'm going to prioritize Vizcaino. But remember, he's not he doesn't have that job all to himself. He's got it with A.J. Minter. And I do like the chances of Minter, or maybe even Dan Winkler, uh, to to take over that job. Uh, Winkler's been really good, by the way. Um, he's not factoring in saves just yet, but outside chance, I think he could. But I would say in most formats, if there was any chance of getting saves on waivers, 
I would go Bear Claw, Bradley Vizcaino. Because Bear Claw will get saves. It's just a matter of time. In most formats, I would rank Bear Claw ahead of uh, Vizcaino. And again, depending on the scarcity of the saves, if you could get saves fairly easily, uh, I would, or even not so easily, but there's some chance I'd go Bradley over Vizcaino. And uh, if there's just absolute total scarcity, I'd probably go Vizcaino over Bradley for the time being. Okay, next question from at Michael3206631. Based off of yesterday's show, would I drop Giolito, uh, or who would I drop Giolito for, and who do I think he's worth stashing or starting? Okay, I have to admit, I'm not quite sure on the wording here, but okay, who would I drop Giolito for? I mean, certainly uh, any of the recent call-ups, including Kingham, who's probably, uh, I like Soraka, I like Romero. I, I think I probably like Kingham the least just because I think he's probably got the least job security. And I'm still, I wrote wrote the piece for Fantrax earlier in the week with that I've talked about on the show that I'm not completely sold on the idea that just because he's throwing a slider and throwing it really well so far that um, he's not going to regress to to his prior levels in the minors. So even though I like Kingham the least out of uh, Soraka, Romero, um, I would drop him for Kingham. Would I drop Giolito for Domingo Herman? I think that's a good one. I probably, well, the shower, the league, the more likely I am to do it. So 10 team or maybe even 12 team, I think I would drop Giolito for Domingo Herman. In a 14 team league, I don't think I would do it because uh, Giolito, like in the last start, showed some promise. I think that's what you're referring to here, saying, saying based off of yesterday's show. Uh, I, I, I think uh, he's worth holding on to in 14 team mixed leagues and deeper. And then it would have to be, you know, it would have to be somebody like Soraka the, that I drop him for, probably Fernando Romero as well in those formats. Okay, uh, at VTerradoro1126, middleweight outfielder Solero and Mazzara. And I've got to stop right here and just say, I like that categorization. I hadn't heard that before. Middleweight outfielders Solero and Mazzara are showing some offense lately. Can I give some reasons for or against picking them up? Will it last? I alluded to this a little bit. I think it was on Wednesday's show about Jorge Soler, about how I think the the power for him is legit. The batting average, not so much. That his expected batting average at that point, I think, was something like 241. The strikeouts are down. But it's kind of a, a situation like I was talking about with Ian Happ. Not that extreme, of course, because uh, the strikeouts are down. But sort of, you know, one where you think, oh, well, you know, the strikeouts are down. So shouldn't Soler be hitting really well? Well, they're not. They're they're down, but they're not down to the point where he should be anywhere near a 300 batting average, especially because he is so pole conscious. So um, if you need power, I'd say pick him up if if. if you know, if you're looking at the whole, if maybe categories don't matter so much to you uh, because it's a points league or um, you don't have a particular category need in a categories league, I don't think Solaire is a must add. Um, Mazzara, certainly I like a little bit better. Um, look, profiling very similar to, similarly to how he looked last year. So I, I'm a little bit. Uh, more optimistic about Mazzara 
keeping up what, what he's done so far. So I've only got really a couple minutes left here. So uh, I, I hope uh, I covered that question well enough because I want to make sure I leave enough time here. Talk about the schedule for the coming week. Uh, we've got a bunch of teams with seven-game schedules, a handful with five games. Uh, the teams with seven games are the Reds, Marlins, Phillies, Padres, Giants, Nationals, and Orioles. So each of those teams has their, you know, their borderline players who definitely get a little extra boost uh, with the seven-game schedule. So uh, you know, certainly somebody. Uh, just for example, Mac Williamson might be back tomorrow. So uh, depending on how it goes this weekend, if he does in fact come back and, and it looks like he's doing all right, that seven-game schedule is probably enough additional encouragement that I'd want to start Mac Williamson. Uh, the teams with five games are the Pirates, White Sox, and Indians. I don't know that there's so many borderline options on those teams, uh, but that's just something to keep in mind. And uh, the Braves, Tigers, and Blue Jays all have uh, pretty lefty-heavy schedules in terms of you know facing, uh, I think, at least four left-handed starters for the, each of them. Um, certainly enough that you'd want to give your your teams that uh, you know have some some lefty mashers on them uh, a little extra play. So uh, the name that certainly stands out for me is Kevin uh, Kevin Pilar, not Kevin Millar, which I almost said, <laughs> but Kevin Pilar, who's red hot anyways. And if if he's still available in your league uh, and you've been hesitating because of regression or whatever, I don't think the regression is going to come this week for for Pilar because um, he's got a, a pretty favorable uh schedule uh get it, well Paxton's one of the lefties but he'll face Wade LeBlanc uh Eduardo Rodriguez with Chris Sale maybe not so great but uh I still like Pilar a lot for the coming week so that is my cue to put an end to this week's fantasy baseball hour so hope you enjoyed the show hope there was some good info for you there and best of luck to everybody uh getting your lineups and rosters in order over the weekend i'll be back here on monday see you then take care